The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, went up on the mountain and sat down there. Great crowds came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the deformed, the mute, and many others. They placed them at his feet, and he cured them. The crowds were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the deformed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind able to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus summoned his disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd, for they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, for fear they may collapse on on the way. The disciples said to him, Where could we ever get enough bread in this deserted place to satisfy such a crowd? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few fish. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets full. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I have to do is to thank you for your many prayers for me when I was very sick in the summer. Not only did you pray for me when you found out that I was very sick, but you encouraged me to learn how to walk again and to press on. And I know that some of those prayers were said here during the Novena Mass. I felt very reassured by those prayers. I knew many of those who were praying for me, who represented all the generations. I felt carried by them, and I needed them. What began is something that I thought was rather mild, turned out to have been Lyme disease plus spinal meningitis. And even though I'm hobbling, it's about time for me to hobble a little bit. Um, The fact that I can negotiate so many of the works of life again is, fills me with joy, and it, I'm so happy to be able to be here tonight and to thank you. 
What kind of a message should I give you tonight? I had 12 years to preach to you almost every Sunday and with very few exceptions on Wednesday nights. And there's something that comes to mind that has been pressing on me to say that is not so much original, but it's just, it came to me when I read it from one of the fathers of the church a year or two ago as being stated in an original way. Here we are in Advent. We are in expectation of Christmas and we are remembering the coming, the first coming of the Messiah, the Son. This was something that had been looked for. And we do more than just remember it. There's an expectancy that it is a blessing again this year when it comes. There's something about the day of Christmas which brings a surge of expectancy and certainly charity to even hard nuts. But Advent also is a time to look forward to the second coming of Christ. The liturgy of this keeps telling us to look for Christ's return. We even got it on the Feast of Christ the King when the Lord was in the story separating the goats and the sheep. Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. It's overwhelming. But so many spiritual writers have written about the third coming. When Christ comes of his choice to souls that hear his knock and open the door to him. It can happen in a moment. It can happen tonight. It can happen on someone's sickbed, a new revelation of Christ with his love and saving power. And how does it happen? It happens when people remove obstacles to his coming. Obstacles so that they can hear the most important things. We've all viewed uh, that painting that shows Christ knocking in the door. The scene is from uh, Revelation. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who responds and opens for him, I will come and sup with him. Something like that. And he's carrying a lantern and he's knocking at a decrepit door that's overgrown with vines. But it can't be opened but from the inside. So respectful of Christ, of our welcome, of our freedom to open to him. And what have we got to lose but everything to gain? And that Christ wants to come to us more than we want to receive him. And Advent is just a time in which we are trying to purify ourselves so that we can have something like a real encounter with Christ. We do want it. And there is a formula. Many of us are going to take advantage of the Advent Confession. Now I could talk some more, but you know on Wednesday nights, During my 12 years, I would stop about now and draw out, where is Loretta? A hymn from one of the tubs, an old evangelical hymn usually, or an old Catholic hymn that would somehow or another motivate the soul. There are many hymns that I could pull out tonight. I think what's in the tubs have long since gone. They probably needed to be uh, just storing these tubs with new hymns which accumulate over 12, year, 12 years. But not everything is in these hymn books that they put in the sleeves of the pews. Um, Marisset is one of the secretaries here who knows where those hymns were that were duplicated this afternoon. On, on what? Okay. Okay, here they are. Good. Now, traditionally I ask some servers to make sure that everybody gets one. I think they're about 100. Are we more than 100? We might be. Could I have some servers? But I need some more. Rush them around. All right. Get over in those corners now. Give one to Father Peter right now. Is that Peter? Yes. All those people in the corner need one. I don't think I need any more now. There, there, there are two hymns. One sheet is on one side, and there's another hymn on the other, and I'm going to suggest that that be sung at the offertory because we like to have a, a Marian hymn sung because Mother Mary has always been the speed course to Jesus.
There's something about this hymn which is very sweet. It was written by a 16-year-old boy who went into a church in Montreal and he came out with this song in his heart, which he wrote. He died in his 20s and nobody knows much about him. There was a totally uneventful life and this was his moment where he found that Jesus loved him and loved his little life such as it was and that he wanted to write some hymn in response and he wrote this hymn. We would not have it except that he sent a copy of it, a unique copy, uh, to either an aunt or a grandmother who was living in California. And it was published, set to, um, set to music, a simple little melody. His name was William Featherston. He died in 1873. This was not written by um, a professional hymn writer. There is nothing else he wrote. There's nothing else he did that history knows except that he came out of that church in Montreal with his heart filled that God had, just, had worked something in him and he wanted to respond. Chris Brennan... Michael, with you playing, this has got to move our hearts too. Let's stand. My Jesus, I love thee. We can listen to it a little bit because there's so many new people here. and You may not have heard it before. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. I 
thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my sardine on Calvary's tree. singing this so magnificently. Fourth verse. In mansions of glory and endless delight You know, this is, this is true. The first Sunday I was here in 19, no, it was 2001, um, the closing hymn was announced, and I stayed for the first verse and genuflected, and we all processed out, and I think I was amazed that Nobody else moved, but they sang the three other verses, second, third, and fourth. And afterwards, Ray Kelling, gently, but with some impressment, said that at St. Joseph's, we sang all the verses of the hymns. You didn't think I would stop at three verses of My Jesus, I Love Thee. (laughs) I learned that from St. Joseph's. 
I learned much from St. Joseph's. And um, I'm so grateful, but I just don't think we ought to turn this great moment for a trip down memory lane. This parish is, and Monsignor Ingham said it in the introduction to the latest parish directory about having a unique personality. It does. And you can see from tonight, a weeknight, at a time of virus, that there is a zeal, a zeal for the Father's house. What was the verse of the psalm tonight? Um, I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. There is a love for the house of the Lord, this house of the Lord, this temple. Father Peter and I were ranging around the church this afternoon to, for me to see what was new and for us to visit the old shrine, St. Gerard, St. Anthony, St. Joseph. The house has a life here, even when nobody is in it. It's God's house. And we hear of Christ on a mountainside or the people of the Old Testament going up to the mountain to find God and to seek blessings. This is our mountain. This is where we go up to find the house. And I commend you on the zeal you've shown. I've been amazed at the grounds, the growth of the campus in the six years I've been away. Have that zeal for the Catholic faith and have it for your homes. Your homes, whether you are one in the home or a family in the home, have that zeal. It's so sacred. Your dwelling place and this dwelling place of our Lord. It is the place where mercies abound. It is the sanctuary, the holy place. And our hope is that this novena, which has been going on for many years, years before I came, strengthens the families, strengthens widows, widowers in their zeal for God's family, the church. Keep Wednesday night always church night. And thank you for remembering me the fact that I'm here is a tribute not to my skills at therapy. Your faith that we don't fan the air, the air when we are asking 
Mary to pray for us and all those ora pronobuses and at the elevation when we call out Jesus' mercy when the chalice is given to us. Father, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. You've been a wonderful host all day. And uh, I think I have a few more things to do tomorrow. Now, I don't exactly know how the uh, intercessory prayers go now. Would, would you sort of take, take over? Thank you. You may stand up. We pray for Pope Francis, for all the bishops around the world, that they will be guided and open to his guidance of the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of the parishes in the Diocese of Raleigh. Maybe the parishes, especially out there, are very alone in the sense of not being in a big city, but surrounded by the countryside and surrounded by nature, that God will bless them this season of Advent. We pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all the special intentions we hold in our own families, family members that are in need of our prayers for health or for perhaps being away from the Lord. And for those who are considering the priesthood within those families, that God will bless them all during this time, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray in gratitude to our Lord for all the pastors who have spent time at St. Joseph's, in a particular way, Monsignor, who, who graces us with his time, that he and all of these uh, wonderful priests will be blessed during this time. We pray to the Lord. Let us now join our prayers to those of the Blessed Mother as we sing. <laughs> 